Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we discuss pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's show, Libby Saylor is back and we are talking 16 Candles. Hey friends, did you know that I have spoken about representation in media and literature other than just on the podcast? I've been booked to speak at company meetings, panel discussions, voiceovers for commercials and video narratives, and to moderate discussion panels. To learn more about how you can book me for an event, just shoot me an email, popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com. Use speaking engagement as the subject line. Looking forward to working with you. Sixteen Candles made its theatrical debut on May 4th, 1984 and starred the 80s darling Molly Ringwald. Written and directed by John Hughes, this film has been a cult classic for several decades and is one of Hughes' more notable long-lasting works, a teen movie about a girl who turns 16 and everyone in her family forgets. She's pining for the hottest guy in school and generally feeling invisible until her heartthrob crush discovers who she is. Over the course of the night, the audience is taken through a high school dance, a high school party, and the ultimate romantic payoff if you're 16. But before we dive in, let me reintroduce you to my guest. Libby Saylor is a blogger and artist living and working in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Her blog, The Goddess Attainable, aims to inspire and empower women to become their authentic goddess selves unapologetically. She explores topics of dating and relationships, self-love, personal growth, and spirituality, among others. She loves spending time with her closest friends and family, including her fraternal sister. They share a love of pop culture and stand-up comedy and love to analyze all things pop culture with their Virgo analytic and critical minds. She also needs nature in her life, loves to cook and bake, and can't go too long without watching a movie in an actual movie theater with popcorn, candy, and soda. Ghostbusters 1984 is her all-time favorite movie, followed closely by Jurassic Park 1993 and The Matrix 1999. She was here in season two to discuss When Harry Met Sally, and I'm thrilled she's back with us today. Welcome back, Libby. Thank you. Hello. Nice to be back. I'm glad to have you here. And I have to tell our friends at home that since your last appearance, (laughs) we've become actual friends. Uh, Yeah, kind of not in, I wouldn't say inseparable, but we talk almost every day, if not, you know, every couple of days. Yeah. Which I love. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what's your um, go-to candy when you go to the movie theater? I get... It varies depending on the salt because I need a salt and a sweet. Yes. So if I get 
I'll get nachos if I'm at a certain theater because some theaters have sh- crappy nachos. Yeah, you shitty. Can test, fine. I can yeah. say shitty. Yeah, shitty nachos. My local theater has awesome nachos. If I do that, oh, I gotta go with the plain M and M's. Not very original, but solid. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, and if I get popcorn, I'll still go with original M and M's. I might venture off into snow caps. Ooh. Maybe junior mints if I'm feeling off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What do you? I always get, so my son and I, we split a small popcorn and people are always mm-hmm. like, you know, they always try to upsell you and they're like, get the bigger one. But no. honestly, like I'm not here for spending the money on a big popcorn where I'm just going to throw half the bucket away. That's wasteful. Yeah. Um. So we split a small popcorn and then I put it in a little container and he keeps the bag because then he doctors it himself and then I'll get a side of nacho cheese to dip the popcorn in. Oh my God. I've never heard of that. It's well, I think it's delicious, (laughs) but I also like live and breathe cheese. Um, and then I'll get, I was doing milk duds for a really long time, but then I got a bad batch of milk duds once and it was just like, not yeah. I feel okay. like every batch of milk duds is bad. Like, I feel like just my only memory of milk duds is just, um, being really hard and just not good. Cause nobody buys them. So they get too tough. No. Um, and then I switched to raisinets recently, but then my son will get something like, like fruity flavored. So I'll, I'll you know, put my hand out and be like, can I have a couple of yours? So I need a little taste way back when, um, when Sing 2 came out, I went with my really good friend and her daughter, who I refer to as my niece. And mm-hmm. she was like, what kind of candy do you want? And I was like, oh, shit, I have all of my staples, but like, I have nobody to give me like a fruity handful yeah. of candy. <laughs> so he's like, I need a fruity handful of candy. That's normally what my kid brings. And he's not yeah. here. And she's like, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I don't get the fruity at the movie. I don't understand the fruitiness at the movie theater because I need the chocolate with the mm-hmm. I don't understand fruit candy in general because I'm just like chocolate or death. Um, but I have a problem. I would live off of candy if it wasn't medically awful for you to do so. Yeah. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It is pretty bad. Like after lunch every day I go and get a sweet treat. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Chocolate sweets are happening every day. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's happening. Oh, it's but. 100% peanut M&Ms. That's what I get after, after I lunch. I love peanut M&Ms. Mm-hmm. That's my snack after lunch. Mm, it's my little, my okay. little afternoon sweetness. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Final thing. Freshman year in college. I, all I remember is, um, we had two breaks cause we had long, I went to art school and we had long hours of like sketching and, and then we'd go to the break room twice a day. We'd have the vending machines. I would get a bag of Lay's sour cream and onion yes. and a bag of M&Ms twice a day for yeah. the whole semester. Like I was, I, I gained like definitely, I would say more like 30 pounds. You just can't do that no. without it showing on your body. But yeah, it was fun while it lasted. And probably delicious too. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Okay. Libby, this next statement is going to feel weird. 16 candles and I are the same age and I'm only a little bit older by a few months. So I'm going to insert a crying emoji right here Mm -hmm. because what (laughs) I'm not ready. This movie has all the classic eighties components. We love parties, high school hijinks and Anthony Michael Hall and John Cusack. I think it's actually John Cusack's first like major motion. Yeah. Him and Joan Cusack. I think they were like local Chicago kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're so cute. 
I know. Even now to this day, I'm like, I need gossip on John Cusack. He's my in low, but he's just, I just love them. Yeah. Roger Ebert's 1984 review was positive. He said, this is a fresh and cheerful movie with a goofy sense of humor and a good ear for how teenagers talk. It doesn't hate its characters or condescend to them the way a lot of teenage movies do. Instead, it goes for a human comedy and finds it in everyday lives of the kids in the story. I have to make a note here for our friends at home. I am fully aware of the problems with 16 Candles, and we will be discussing it a bit later in the show. But for now, we're going to start at the beginning, which is 1984, and work our way forward. So I do want to offer a content warning as we will be discussing the cultural understanding of rape of the 1980s versus current era. So just putting that out there for people who might not be ready for that. Ebert later goes on to say 16 Candles contains most of the scenes that are obligatory in any teenaged movie. The dance, the makeout session, the party that turns into a free-for-all, but writer and director John Hughes doesn't treat them as subjects for exploitation. He listens to these kids. The New York Times at the time also gave this film a decent review and raved of Hughes' directorial debut, stating, 16 Candles shows Mr. Hughes to be well able to direct his own dialogue and to juggle a cast of all-American comic caricatures. So I want to start in the sense of our own innocence and naivete. Do you remember when you first saw this movie and what was your overall impression at the time? Well, first of all, you feel bad because you're the same age, but (laughs) I was five in 1984. So, but it's okay. I'm, I'm cool. It's cool. I'm cool. Yeah. Um, I find you to be a very delightful and cool person. This is one of the reasons why we've become friends. I'm youthful, right? I seem like I'm 16. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I tried to remember, you know, so I was five. I don't think I saw it when it first came out, but I had, I grew up with an older sister, eight years older than me, who was a full blown teenager in the eighties. So I think a lot of my pop culture and eighties influence all comes from her because she was in it. And I so looked up to her, worshiped her. Um, so I'm sure she introduced me and my, my sister and I to this movie and to breakfast club and all the other John Hughes movies. Um, I remember as a kid, feeling like it I was appalled by the vulgarity I like as a kid I was definitely like whoa there's like a lot of raw stuff going on here like this is not like an innocent like I probably shouldn't have seen it as a kid (laughs) yeah like that scene where she gives where uh, Molly Ringwald Samantha gives Anthony Michael Hall who's credited as the geek her panties Mm. like that was just like to me even still like there was never a point in my life where I was like that's normal I would never oh my god I couldn't even or even just I mean just the scene I mean nudity is not like but still like for a little kid like when they flash to Carolyn's naked showering body and they're both staring at her like talking about her and um And just like, just all those, I mean, I was so innocent, just all the sex talk, all the focus on sex. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was definitely just like, oh, this is a grown up, you know, grown up Mm -hmm. kind of movie. Um, Yeah. I don't know. What were your first impressions? I mean, I remember, sorry, the the only other thing I remember is even at a young age, I was like, Jake Ryan is fucking dreamy. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how old, you know, and I remember being really little 
my hugest crush, my first crush, like, you know, I might've been six was David Hasselhoff and Knight Rider. Yeah. Oh my God. He's just like, so captured my everything. And I remember feeling like that Jake Ryan feeling when you just, you can't not, I mean, if you're so a cute. hetero, yeah, you just can't not, if you, I even, when I watched it this week, I got that, ooh, like when he's at his car uh-huh. after the wedding, you just get that like, oh my God, look it's at Jake him. Ryan. He's so yeah. cute. Also yeah. kind of an asshole, but he's so hot. Kind of, it's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I, so like I, okay. So I don't remember. I have these very like vague memories. We used to go to this cabin up in like the foothills when I was a kid, the TV was old. It was like very much a yeah. click, click, click kind of situation. Oh, nice. And because there was only so many bedrooms, I always got banished to sleep on the couch because I was the littlest. So I, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, I'm turning on the TV and it was always either breakfast club or 16 candles or oh, some nice. other like obscure movie. Like I've seen some movies that I couldn't tell you what they're about, but I have very clear memories of the scenes that traumatized me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but with these two, that was always kind of in rotation for whatever mm-hmm. the network television was of that, of the nineties, you know, when I was like a little kid and probably shouldn't have been watching them. Um, and I don't think my parents had any clue that that was what I was doing at six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep. Yeah. But because of that, you know, it's one of those movies that once you kind of get old enough to be openly watching movies, when you have strict parents, it's in rotation. And one of the things that always struck me as odd and still strikes me as odd in teenage Mm -hmm. movies in general is showering after gym. We didn't have Mm -hmm. time to do that. Our PE teacher literally was like, so classes were 55 minutes And you had six minutes to, well, when I was in high school, you had five minutes to get from one class to the next. They upped it to six, I think my senior year, because our campus was so huge. It just wasn't Mm. realistic. Um, So to me, it was like, who showers after gym? Like our PE teacher would be like, all right, go, go change. You have, you have eight minutes to get to your next class kind of thing. So I just, that always, and will always confuse me because that wasn't my high school reality with gym class. Yeah. Yeah, I had, we, I remember a couple traumatizing times where, and it was in grade school, I think, where they made us, like the gym teacher was like, this is a thing that you all have to do. And just everybody was petrified, especially, you know, there's the skinny girls and then there's like the not so skinny girls, these poor, everybody who had just, it's just awful. Um, And I think at a certain point, maybe the teachers gave up on it, or maybe they realized this is weird and not necessary. Um, but we did have to do it a couple of times, but yeah, in high school, like just hanging out naked, showering the way Wrapped she was like yeah. in a spa. And then also just is a little weird that, that Sam and her friend were just kind of staring at her mm-hmm. <laughs> talking like as if she wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of suspension of disbelief that has to happen with some of these scenes. <laughs> yeah. Which is like Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, that scene Hmm, just always bothered me regardless because it was like, who's going to openly stand there. I mean, I don't know, maybe nowadays people would be more comfortable because we're more comfortable with our bodies now. And there's a little bit more self-positivity going around, but like, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to, I would feel bad for someone who had to do that. 
I have friends who have never seen me like girl, you know, we're all getting ready for the night. I show up ready because I'm not changing in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I don't have like a long list of people who like know what I look like naked. Yeah. Like no one, maybe my twin, well, definitely my twin sister, but it's not like we prance around right. naked in front of each other. Right. So that was always, yeah. that scene was always really strange to me, but I did, huh. you know, like I said, it, you know, the film always made it into rotation. Um, I own it on DVD. If I can't, if I'm too lazy to dig it out, I'll find where it's streaming so I can just watch oh, it yeah. on streaming. Oh yeah. But yeah. And I loved it for the longest time. And we'll get into when that changed in a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I still kind of awesome. do to an extent, but you know, yeah, it's like a love hate kind of situation. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Oh, that's icky. Like now yeah. you're like, Oh, that's icky. Oh, that's yeah. kind of icky too. So the first record I could find, and this doesn't mean it's the earliest record, but it's the first one I could find on the internet Mm-hmm. A true criticism of 16 Candles was the New York Post in 2015. Writer Sarah Stewart offered that this film is racist and sexist and needs to be retired and suggested 16 Candles should be filed under cautionary tales of the 1980s. In a 2018 article from Vox, writer Constance Grady goes into depth about the cultural difference between rape culture of the 1980s. She begins her argument by stating in the 1980s, rape used in quotes meant an attack from a stranger in a dark alley, not something that acquaintances did to each other at at house parties where everyone knows each other. Molly Ringwald herself wrote the now famous article in The New Yorker about her time working with John Hughes and offers context to the blossoming 1980s cinema. Quote, it can be hard to remember how scarce art for and about teenagers was before John Hughes arrived. Young adult novels had not yet exploded as a genre. On screen, the big issues that affected teens seemed to belong largely to the world of ABC after-school specials, which premiered in 1972 and were still around when I came of age in the 1980s. She goes on to say that portrayals of teens in major motion films were exploitative and remembers just how groundbreaking it was when Fast Times at Ridgemont High released because this film was a much closer portrayal of adolescence. Constance Grady makes a keen observation, though, one that would live in storytelling in Hollywood for the next 40 years and is likely still being used today. She writes, Jake Ryan is the embodiment of fantasy so compelling it instantly makes 16 Candles iconic. What if the object of your romantic high school dreams decided to pursue you without you having to expend any effort whatsoever, just because they could see that you were like deep and more special than the rest of the school. What if they somehow saw that without you ever having to have a conversation or interact with them in any way in the early 1980s, nineties, and I'm going to go as even as up as far as the two thousands, we weren't really having these conversations about intimate partner abuse and rape and what mutual agreement for sexual intimacy is. I mean, there was the conversation about like date rape drugs, but that was more of like, a you know, someone's going to slip something in your drink at a party, mm-hmm. which still has that sort of like predatory, like scary vibe. But does the longing many of us have to be seen as something desirable and exciting to a person who's our romantic interest, they fall in love with us. 
based on intrigue. Does this type of trope blind us to harmful representation in Hollywood? Because at the end of the day, Jake Ryan did some really shitty stuff to his girlfriend in pursuit of Samantha. There's so much here and it's, it's actually so relevant to even just me as a woman, like right now in this day and age, but like the, the, I have so many thoughts about it. Like the first thought is like, I remember it reminded me of when I was like, this was back when I was single years ago and I was going to go on a date and I was talking to my coworker about it. And she was she just went right into like, oh, you got to put your makeup on and get your nails done and get dressed up, make sure you wear like a, and I remember, so I'm like such a goody goody, like huge goody goody. Always have been. Me. Um, and I remember being like kind of horrified. And I was like, um, no, like I'm going to do the opposite. Like, first of all, I don't, I mean, it was like an online date. So you don't yeah. know 50% chance. He's a super creep, you know, right. He's right. Gross, sleazy. He's yucky. Doesn't whatever. Look anything like his pictures. He's lied. Yeah, about the everything. last thing I want is to like, give him a boner, you mm -hmm. know? And so I remember like, I always like when I'm dating, it's very strategic. I'm kind of like downplay my looks in a little bit. And it's this weird way to like, I don't know, test him or something, mm -hmm. or just to be like, I don't want this to be about sex. Like, I don't right. want this first meeting to be about that. Um, so, you know, that came to mind when you were talking about that, but I also thought about um, this experience when I was in seventh grade and I, cause I was so conscious. I think I was so conscious of like, I know this sounds weird, but like rape stuff yeah. when I was like my whole life, like, and I don't know if that's because my father was protective. Well, and I think too, as women, you know, it's yeah, you one of those know. things that we're just kind of aware of because there's always that cautionary tale of like, don't, yeah. you know, don't do that. You have to do things in pairs. And especially now in the world of online dating, it's like, tell me where you are and what does he look like? And where are you yeah. meeting and what time? And um, just that whole sort of vibe of how we have to protect ourselves from predators. Like that is a thing when it it's should be the in. other way around where it's like, just don't be a predator. <laughs> right. And, and I remember feeling so weird as a kid, because honestly, I didn't get the sense that my fellow females were equally as cautious. Mm -hmm. And I would, in some ways I was very like envious. Cause I was like, Oh, I wish, I wish I could be fearless in dating situations or enjoy myself or whatever. And I was basically like, don't get raped. Don't get raped. Don't get right. raped. And I remember even, but so young, like there, there was this dance in seventh grade and I went, I was begged my dad for this amazing puffy pirate shirt, which was in the nineties. That's like the thing All at the, the express. Yeah. And yeah. Is, that, is that express? Oh my God. I could still picture it. It was the perfect. So he bought it for me. I wore that with this like tight mini skirt and getting ready for the dance. I, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, I am too gorgeous. And I'm scared that I'm going to like attract some, like, I was like, so conscious of my, whatever. I felt really, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But it turns out like when I got there, I was like, so underdressed, like <laughs> everybody else had like velvet dresses, like yeah. full on dress, like prom situation. I felt like such a dumbass when I got there, but anyway, it was just, I remember being very scared. Even when I felt like 
overly attractive or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if any of that is making sense. But. It does make sense because we always hear, Oh, she was asking for it. She wouldn't have worn that if she didn't want it Ugh. and shit like that. And you're just like, wait, well, what was she wearing that qualifies as asking for it? Because I don't want to be accused like that. Like mm-hmm. I just, you know, so you don't really get to fully be expressive with fashion and, um, your style. And especially if like your body is a little bit more, what did yeah. it call developed? <laughs> She's very developed. Like I, yeah. you know, people say that a lot about women who are large chest, um, or just curvaceous. And, you know, I, I, I understand what you're saying because like, there are some styles out there, especially when I was like super fit. I'm not like, I'm, I wouldn't say my body's bad. It's just not what it was six years ago, but I would, yeah. I'm have always been very aware that there's certain styles I can't wear because they will be deemed like sexual if I wear Uh, it, like, uh, you know, like a, um, like a low cut or something low cut, or even just like, like Calvin Klein went through a period where he had like all these really great business attire dresses, but they were, you know, tight fitting and Mm -hmm. it just accentuated my butt. So it looked like my big old booty was quote asking for it. And it's like, no, Uh, this is literally Calvin Klein. Like I got it on sale at TJ Maxx, like calm yourself. Um, it's so so hard. Cause it's like, uh, we, there's the whole other school of thought, like own your body, share, mm -hmm. show off your body, love your, you know, like don't be express your sexuality. And it's like, look, I would love to, but I don't, I don't want to get raped or yeah or accused of asking like that's my biggest thing like of being because you know we I was seeing these girls who were built similarly to me and that was the accusation well she's flirtatious and she did Mm. this and she did that and she led me on and it was just like Uh, that's terrifying because what does that mean if I think you're funny like are you gonna think I'm leading you on then or like what does it mean if I'm wearing like like pencil like um cigarette pants were really popular for a while and like I love the way they look I love the 60s vibe like mm -hmm. for a while that was you know a style I wore but I had to modify it so I I didn't look too sexual and Uh, it was just you know it's just frustrating in that way and then you have a movie like 16 Candles and Grant Granted, Caroline wasn't my favorite character. She was, you know, kind of, they were kind of shitty to each other. Generally, she and Jake, um, you know, her comment about like, oh, let's go to Jake's house and have a big party. And then like, they, she doesn't care about trashing the house, that kind of stuff. But that doesn't excuse the fact that Jake's like, basically like, you know, take my girlfriend so I can go find some other chick. And then like, She's so blitz. She won't even know what's going on. Like that kind of shit is yeah, not like okay. I could violate. He think he said I could violate her 10 different ways if I wanted to. Yeah. She was like passed out in his bedroom, mm-hmm. which is like, Oh God, that's why we even have to worry about that is just like a whole other story, you know, a whole other thing. But, um, yeah. But I wondered, I wondered when I was watching it this week, I was like, I wonder how much of that became sort of subconscious about just, and then that re that affirmation from, you know, society with the whole, like, cause his comment about like, oh, I could violate her. She's not paying attention, blah, to the affirmations of like, well, she was wearing a really short skirt. So she was asking for it. Like Mm -hmm. that to me, it's like, when you hear those messages, when you're little, it's hard for it not to get twisted in some way that does make you like 
more conscious and aware of like how you look and what you wear. Yeah. And that's why I love your podcast actually, because the same thing happened with our Harry Met Sally episode. I can't remember what exactly, but like you pointed something out and I was like, honestly, this is the first time I've ever thought of that. (laughs) And when I, so with the 16 candles, you know, when you like sent ahead some of these thoughts and you were talking about rape culture. I mean, honestly, I swear my first thought was like, wait, rape cult and 16 (laughs) candles. Wait a second. And I had to like stop and think about it. And then I watched it from the, you know, from that angle. And now as a grown woman and with my blog and everything else, I'm so super conscious of all of this stuff, but I'm talking like now, like as of the last maybe two years, you know, like, and this is really like an evolutionary thing. So I just think pop culture and things that we see and absorb, like nobody's thinking these things. I mean, unless they're like scholars who are like, it's Mm -hmm. their job to think about this Mm -hmm. and they're constantly catching things. But I think it's, it's so subconscious. I think it's, you know, when people see this movie, they're thinking about like, it's so fun. Mm-hmm. He's so cute. He's so cute because we all so want funny. our hot, dreamy crush to realize and wake up I mean, and oh. be like, oh my God, you're the girl of my dreams. Where have you been? Like, yeah, who doesn't that part. That? I know. Yeah. And am I a jerk by being like, because when you were reading about the part about, you know, like this dream guy, like notices you like, Mm-hmm. it's so it's just so unrealistic and maybe that's just because I had like not you know everybody had a shitty high school experience but like that never happened to me yeah. and that's pr- you know like who does that happen to right. um or even if it does it's like what is he re- what did the- he's gonna go off to college and he's gonna still like be calling Samantha when she's right. like a junior in high school like I don't know so but I hate to say it. I, I don't know if it's just because I saw it when I was young and innocent and into had so many crushes, but why do I still get giddy? I do too. (laughs) I do too. I'm not going to lie because, because yes, because it's like, I think for me, it's the whole like, oh, he realizes that he's in love with, or or he's not in love with her. They're too young for that, but he realizes that she's like amazing and interesting and different. And, or even you know. that he sees her, like, I love, I forgot about, you know, of course the end scene with him in front of the Ferrari is like yeah, amazing, but like, I, yeah, it's just, Oh my God. But I, I forgot another awesome scene that I love is when they're at the dance and she first gets to the dance and she's looking for Jake. And then she spots him dancing with Carolyn and she's just like staring kind of yeah. like a dope and he looks up and he sees her yeah. and he smiles at her yeah. and okay. Yeah. It's fucked up. Cause he's like dancing, dancing literally with, with his girlfriend, one. you know, yeah. but I don't know from Sam's perspective, it was just like, Oh my God. Because he if he saw me. Yes. Cause smiling. if you're some, yes. If you're Sam, you're that's exactly it. That's yeah, exactly you it. Feel if you're invisible Sam. and not even, cl- and then you're comparing yourself to Caroline who's perfect you know and you're like what would he ever see in me but like the fact that he's just that smile that kind of stuff I kind of can relate to I have like these teenage angst memories of like you know a popular boy that I had a huge crush on I thought he thought I was invisible and there were times where I would feel someone looking at me and I looked over and he was like looking at me or smiling at me and it was like oh so I think Jake just kind of awakens that 
I totally understand. I know it's so complicated. I can't with the complicated because (laughs) again, I just want to walk out of work one day and then a Mm. bus drives by and then there's my version of Jake Ryan leaning against, you know, my version of whatever hot car I want a guy to drive. (laughs) Although wouldn't, wouldn't that be creepy if he was like, you know, wouldn't you be if he was like I've been watching you you know what I mean like where'd this guy come from and just like wait who are you why do you know who I am and where I work yeah yes see that's the reality of the situation it's just not it's just not good it's just not good but also we've well established I want my life to be a buttoned up (laughs) rom-com so (laughs) I think anyway. every woman does. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I will take any kind of rom-com. I'm actually very excited about um, Dan. Dan Levy has a rom-com that he's working on and like it okay. made big headways or headlines because it's like totally like um, LGBTQ storyline and like that's oh. the love that they're going, you know, they're the whole cast and all this stuff. Right. And I was like, I can't. Yeah, I feel like if anybody's tackling rom-coms, they're usually in that. Va- I feel like the the days of heterosexual cisgender just rom-coms mm-hmm. are probably you know they took they were they had their time in the sun yeah for years and years and years and I think that anything that's going to be done now is probably going to be of that vein, which is really yes. interesting. And I'm I'm here for it because I fucking love yeah. rom-coms. Yeah. <laughs> So now I'm like, can I be the straight best friend? Because you know there was always a gay best friend. I'm like, I want to yeah. be the straight best friend. That like, would be I will amazing. Help. Yes, I'm like, I will be the one there. Anyway, over the last few years, more conversations have been emerging about the character Long Duck Dong, and NPR's Code Switch in 2015 ran an article titled "What's So Cringy About Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles." Author Kat Chow explains why. She says, quote, Long Duck Dong was an Asian American cliche for a new generation. And like most media cliches, it came with IRL implications, end quote. IRL, for those of you listening who may not know, is in real life. She explains how Asian men have been fighting negative stereotypes for years. And in 2008, Getty Watanabe is on record stating, quote, I was making people laugh. I didn't realize how it was going to affect people, end quote. And honestly, I don't think either one of us can speak truly on this issue, but I wanted mm-hmm. to bring it up here. So it we're not ignoring it. We're acknowledging it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to link to the code switch article in the show notes. So everyone can read it and, and start exploring that on their own. Hughes by Jewels offers custom artwork and original prints specializing in watercolor, focusing on the human form and different shades of skin. If you're looking for that perfect gift for a birthday or have a special memory you'd like to commemorate, visit Hughes by Jewels on Instagram or find the Etsy shop of the same name. That's Hughes, H-U-E-S by Jewels, J-U-L-S. One of the things I always thought was that was very fascinating was the layers of the family dynamics. Sam's parents, Sam's grandparents, and then Sam's sister and her fiance and his family. The background story of Sam's sister's wedding could totally be its own movie, but it's a secondary story, but also the crux of Sam's plight. But I really find the fiance to be skeezy and it bumped me out the entire film. 
that the sister was getting married to him. So let's talk about family dynamics and the relationship between the sister and the fiance, because this time around, I noticed I was like, it kind of parallels a little bit to, um, Sam's grandparents in a way, because one of the grandmoms is like smoking while the other one's cooking breakfast. And she's mm-hmm. like, how can I help? And her like long cigarette ash is just she, chilling. Like, opens the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll just open the donuts. Yeah. It's like, please don't let the cigarette ash fall in the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I love also why I love John Hughes movies is because there it's not just one storyline. There's mm-hmm. always, he puts a lot of thought into like every aspect of all of it. So I love that. So I actually feel like I'm obsessed with Ginny mostly because she's so terrible. Like she's a terrible older sister. She's selfish. She's just could not give two shits about Sam. She's very self-involved. She's just pretty ditzy and out there. But I think that, um, I think that the, the boy, well, the oily bohunk variety, it was named Rudy. Rudy, I think that Rudy was actually written as a skeezy guy on purpose, because Mm. I think the whole point is to pit Sam against Ginny and to show here's one way to like be a woman Mm -hmm. and be making choices. And, but Sam's not that Sam's above that. Sam's Mm -hmm. better than that. Sam's deeper than that. Sam's not a bimbo. She's going to get the better guy. And um, and it was reiterated too with, um, you know, I do let enjoy the mother daughter and the father daughter. Mm-hmm. I just think that that's, that was sweet. Even when the mom like forgot the birthday. And I think that the talk with the father on the couch, like that was, and he talks about, he's like, I'm kind of worried about Jenny. Like, you know, I'm not worried about you. Cause yeah. you like have a good head on your shoulders, but Jenny, I don't know. So I think that he, that Rudy was meant to be gross and scuzzy, but yeah, when I watched it again, I was like, that's like really bad. Like yeah. they're like in the mo- the parents are like in the mafia or something. He's just like something a like that. Pig. So gr- like gross and yeah. They're and so like tacky at the club. In. Yeah. So I wondered, I wondered weird. how old Jenny was because it was like, well, if I was to get married, I never plan to get married, but like <laughs> if Sam's turning 16 and they're at that point in time. So that means you're born in the sixties. So like, is Mm. Jenny 18 then? Because like, I can't imagine they'd have a child and then five years later have a child because so much of the forties, fifties and sixties kids are born Mm. in quick succession. I want to say she'd be like 20. Okay. I don't think she was in high school. I guess she like opted out for college. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And maybe they just didn't put that much thought in, into, into it. Although it. Rudy's like a very grown man. Yes. The which is another thing. thing. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that bothered me, but I, I agree with you about, um, the father daughter with relationship with Sam and her dad and Sam and her mom. I loved that scene where she comes up to her the next day and she's like, I am so sorry. We forgot your birthday yeah. with all the hubbub of the wedding and then the little brother who just doesn't give a fuck. Oh, he's so <laughs> awful. He's so bad. It's the worst. I want to smack he's, him. I'm like, oh, he's such a jerk. I hate you so much. Yeah, he's so awful. And then he's this- just like, oh, they forgot. We forgot classic. That's classic yeah. that we forgot your birthday. Yeah. He's terrible. I'm terrible human. I hate him. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really gross. Oh man. And then at the end, when she's walking out of the church with Jake and the dad sees them and she's like, 
she's like this is the boy yeah. he's she's just like yeah he's just like, it to him, pointing. yeah and like the dad is like a huge dork like yeah. you know he's not like some dream dad you know where he's like handsome and you know he's just like yeah. this kind of dorky guy and um just kind of everything he just clearly loves her thinks the world of her mm-hmm. um is just like like I kind of feel like I think I loved them too. Cause it's like, you know, everybody wants to have like the perfect parents and like mm-hmm. nobody has the perfect parents. So mm-hmm. when you see sort of perfect parents in a movie, you're like, Oh, yeah. they're fantastic. So I feel like the dad pretty much hit the mark mm-hmm. and the mom, you know, I mean, she had a lot to juggle with the wedding and all these other things. So yeah, she those new in-laws time. are attached to that. I would not want to be seen with in public. I guess I am a snob. <laughs> I mean, they're really not, they're, they're off. Like, I just, I don't know if like any, I don't know, like these days, like would, would parents like let your daughter like marry somebody like that? Like, and even back then I'm wondering, yeah, I'm like, why would you agree to it? Especially if she's like just shot, like not even 21 yet. Like, why wouldn't you be like, do you think this is, but then he makes that comment and he makes that comment. Yeah at the end in the thing, when it, when they're screaming about her, Jenny getting her period and she's like, I don't want the whole church uh-huh. to know she got her period. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, um, the guy goes, well, I guess all those people who said we had to get married feel dumb now. So like yeah. implying that Jenny thought she was pregnant or something. And so they had to get married and I don't know. Yeah. And they were only, I think they were only together for six months. Mm-hmm. Cause remember when Jenny's like, I've never, I've had men who've loved me before, but not for six months in a row, in a row, <laughs> which is just like, Whoa. Okay. Like, I just don't get how the parents are not, I don't know, talk to her or something. Yeah. Cause you know, almost 40, la- 40 years later, we're going to pretty much assume that they've gotten a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure they're not going to make it. No, <laughs> I hope, I mean, I hope they don't make it. Cause I, th- I mean, she, I would be worried for her. Yes. Or I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Meanwhile, Molly Ringwald and Jake Ryan are still together in my head. <laughs> no, they're not. Are they? Sometimes. Really? Oh my God. I like cannot, you know what I, this is, I'm such a jerk. I I did the same thing in Harry Met Sally. I'm such a jerk, but I did it the other way. I, I don't know if like, you know, is it like a, a, an equal comparison. Do you, do you know what I'm about to say? I don't want to say it. Cause I don't want to be a jerk. Do, like, you know, uh, being in the same league. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I said it, you know, you said it. Not it's that, totally not fine. She's not like totally adorable, hot, awesome, but yeah. Jake, <laughs> I mean, you know, at the very least he's going to have a million gorgeous women throwing themselves all the it, time, especially even if he's madly in love with Sam, like, yeah. I, I mean, what guy is going to like, I don't know, a you rare know, guy. Yes. And you know, it's interesting is I feel like 16 candles is one of the few films and Molly Ringwald's beautiful. Yeah, Redheads do adorbs. get a lot of shit for, you know, um, just generally. And yeah. so I love that, you know, Molly Ringwald is this lead and she's, she's sort of like being this beautiful lead, but you know, she's not dolled up to be beautiful in the way that Jenny was, but I love that like an average looking, I'm using average in air quotes. Yeah. Looking 
teenager gets the hot guy because so often in movies, especially these teen movies, we grew up with like the average looking dude getting the hot chick or Mm -hmm. the hot guy getting the hot chick. So like, it's honestly the first time I can recall watching a movie where like a normal chick, a normal girl gets a super hot guy. Yeah. I think that's why these like John Hughes, these movies were always kind of like why everybody was such a fan of them because it was that like underdog heroine, even in like breakfast club, like, you know, Ali Sheedy ends up with like the, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say Emilio Esmond is like the hot jock, but you know, she's like, no, but like in the eighties he was dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's funny. I'm like, I can be like, so critical of like all sides. Cause I'm also like, Oh, you know, that like, I don't know, like, like that, would that really happen or mm-hmm. that would never happen? And maybe there's this part of me that's just like jealous of Sam. Cause I'm like, well, that didn't happen to me. Yeah, that I mean, happen to any of us. Why does that get to happen to her? Yeah. Which is really fucked up, but I'm just but also, honest. I feel like that's, you know, a normal response too, at the same time, because yeah, you're not wrong. Somebody who maybe isn't in a situation where they have that sort of idyllic because she's living in this beautiful house. They have, you know, this beautiful neighborhood. She's got a structure like, of a family I, that's the thing. I don't feel bad. For, that's the thing. I don't like quite feel bad for her enough. Yeah. Like she's totally adorable. Yeah. She's got like friend she's got her good parents that I never you know like it's not like her character in pretty and pink where she's got the single dad who yeah keep that was rough. together yeah yeah that's a little bit more like oh god that sucks mm-hmm. and the mean girls in that movie were so mean mm-hmm. and yeah in this one it was more just like she's gonna be fine like Sam yeah. is gonna be she does not have there there's so many kids who have it way harder yeah than her yeah um the one thing I will say though is and I forgot to mention what do you think of the um the girlfriend her girlfriend I think she kind of sucks is the that be- just the me best friend. yeah I um, think she says like mean stuff like I remember yeah, kinda, yeah go ahead well, like being, I remember being upset, like the very first scene where, you know, she's like, I can't believe they fucking forgot my birthday, which is yeah. an amazing line. So then it flashes to they're at her, her friend's locker and her friend is just like invalidating all her feelings. She's like, yeah. come on, Sam. Like, what did you want at breakfast birthday? And it was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. And she was like, no, but they could have said happy birthday, you know? And so the friend's like, doing that and then like she just kind of I think when she revealed when Sam reveals that she likes Jake her friend's like he doesn't even know you exist which is like I mean yeah no shit like you need reality checks from your friends but I don't know she just is like not that nice I guess I just I don't like how not nice she is I always thought she was kind of a throwaway character um in like the scene when they're at the dance and they're sitting on the bleachers and then the geek comes and sits by them and they're she and the guy that she's with who also is very attractive so he is very attractive (laughs) um you know they're just kind of awful to him but I think that's so mean to him yeah but I think like that scene doesn't necessarily have to exist either like the movie would have still worked without it but I to me she was just kind of a throwaway character there wasn't really a whole lot there for me 
maybe it's also to show like, look, Sam has a best friend. Like she's not this like friendless person. Like she has a friend who calls her and they ride the bus together and they show up at the dance together, you know? And she finds out that her, you know, she's the one who tells her that her panties have been, you know, (laughs) shown off in the locker room. I would say the, my favorite all-time favorite, favorite, favorite person. And you might, I, for not sure if we're getting into this later, but the Anthony Michael Hall, I just feel like I could not say enough good things about him. He's such a good actor. He was so like, is beyond his years for mm -hmm. sure. And he was, I think he had that like innocence that I Mm -hmm. liked that I feel like was missing through the, you know, everybody else was a little bit like had an edge or even Sam was like kind of too cool sometimes. Like she was way mean to him. She was too cool for like long duck dunk. She was kind of too cool for like a lot of people, but like, he's just like this refreshing open-hearted guy. So yeah, I just, I love him. Just, you know, classic geek in the sense of he just wants people to like him. He's bordering that whole, like, these are my friends and we have things in common and I love these things, but also I want to be cool. Yeah. (laughs) But he's also sort of is cool. Like even when they were in the car and he was just like, yeah, you know, but I'm kind of like the leader, kind of like the king of the dipshits. Yeah. She's like, well, that's sort of cool. Like he does have this like authority over his friends. Yeah. So, and then he also has this amazing rapport with jake yeah like they're that just first totally scene, chill with each other yeah he's just like look jake he like i don't which is so awesome because it's yeah. like he could be totally intimidated by this guy and he's like ends up talking to him like a normal person mm-hmm. because he's kind of like with a geek he just he knows who he is like yeah he knows who he is he's not trying to he just is who he is so yeah. i love him i do too and i love him in this movie yeah you know, he's on um, the Goldbergs. He's one of the teachers on the TV show, the Goldbergs. Oh, he is. You know what? I haven't really watched that. That's okay. It's, you Not know, bad. it's like nine seasons long. So like the first four seasons are great. And I'm sure, you know, all the other, all the, all the seasons are great. But after a while, my son and I just didn't tune in every week. It's too much. We just like, okay, we get it. <laughs> well, also like older Anthony Michael Hall is way different than like yeah. 80s anthem like is he does he have any of those like qualities as an adult in the show or not re- yeah no and I and like- I think it's a nostalgia factor to have him on the show yeah, as totally. like a sort of not a reoccurring character as an every week but he does make an appearance when they are at school mm, um yeah so but still like I didn't recognize him until I saw his name in the credits wow yeah he totally looks different yeah yeah how old were you when you um, realized there were problems with 16 candles? Okay. So full honesty, mm-hmm. disclosure, mm-hmm. Um, like last week when you had me, <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I'm no, I'm, I'm partially kidding. I'm also like, I had to really think about it, but definitely, you know, grown woman. Yeah. Same. I was like 32 when I realized that there were probably maybe a little bit older because I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, I went through this phase where it's like, kid, you have to watch all these movies that I loved when I was a kid. I want to have this, like, I want to share this experience with you and we're watching it. And I was like, (laughs) so when you're watching it through the lens of being a parent, you're just like, Oh my God, you must have mm, to make a disclosure. Like every mm -hmm. scene, like, okay, well wait, this is this because of this, but don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he doesn't have the same affection, which is totally fine. Um, Yeah. I I was also a full full on grown ass woman. (laughs) I think it has to do with just like, cause this is the thing, our awareness as women about women 
it, we each, I feel like we each have our own awakening. Mm-hmm. Some people awaken really, really early, maybe because their parents are all constantly pointing things out, like these types of like political things. But like, for me, I mean, and I think for most women, it's, it is so embedded in the culture and it's yeah. almost a survival thing because we're also taught if you want to survive in this world, like you probably need to get a man who has mm. a fair amount of money or, you know, mm-hmm. and just from the I mean, very that's beginning, my joke. that's my joke is that yeah. I'm going to go and get Hollywood hot so I can be a trophy wife because paying all these bills myself isn't working out. <laughs> totally. You are not alone woman. Like, I mean, it fucking sucks. Yeah. And it's just, we all want that. And I mean, what's funky now about times is like, even men are in position, at least younger men are in positions. Like they actually now need women to help them out, but that's a whole other thing. But I mean, I think that it, I was just so, so obsessed with finding a man Mm -hmm. or being desirable for a man, but making sure I wasn't too desirable to get raped, you know, like all these things. And, and then at a certain point, and I always attribute like my blog is like just a huge part of my awakening because I just, I had that like snap moment and it was after a date and it was after a date where the guy was okay, but he skeeved me out. He wasn't aggressive. It wasn't, but like, I was like so mad that I had to, that I, that it was in a situation where I had to be polite to this guy that was really gross and Mm. that I wanted nothing to do with. And Mm -hmm. I got in the car and I was just like, so angry and it felt so good to be angry for the first time and to not be like giving the man the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. or giving Mm -hmm. society the benefit of the doubt. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, this is fucked up. This is how I feel, you know? And then the blog kind of came from that, but it's been like this journey, every, every experience that I have in life kind of on a daily basis, I have new feelings of like, oh my God, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. We've been dealing with that for years and we didn't even realize it because it's mm-hmm. just like a part of us. So yeah, I yeah. think, I think Gen Z has less deprogramming to do because I totally, think Gen Z totally. is the first generation that's been able to like, like we, and I talk about this with my friend all the time. I was, you know, we still, we had friends in high school who still didn't feel safe to come out. And I know that exists still now, but we oh, didn't yeah. have conversations that are existing in media. Now we didn't have you know, um, LGBTQ creators making television Mm -hmm. shows, normalizing being gay or lesbian or non-binary, you know? And so Jen, I I feel like Gen Z has less programming because sometimes, sometimes things will happen and I'm, and still to this day, I'll be like, wait, Cause you know, I'm pretty, we were pretty progressive growing up in the sense, cause we're a mixed race family and like, there's yeah. a lot of things that we have to think about, but there's still, I mean, I still grew up in a conservative area. I still grew up in a religious home and there are still things where I'm just like, wait, yeah. <laughs> My thought process on this, the way I think about this, I need to challenge because now I'm seeing these things, these conversations happening around me and I'm confused. So yeah. Which is not, yeah, I, mean, I feel like I'm glad that Gen Z has less program deprogramming to do, but also it's hard. And I sometimes wish that there was more grace for the generation and older who is trying to get better and who is trying to deprogram and who is trying to understand. Cause like I said earlier, you know, that idea of like that statement that Jake says, like how much of that got into my subconscious about how he could violate Caroline Oof. and then, and, and how does that influence like the way 
and, and inform everything else that I've done because I was watching it at such a young age. Totally. And he was so hot. And like this, there's this fucked up thing that we as women and probably men do too, is like, if he's hot, end of story, he wins. He, he, there's no fault. Like there's this fucked up thing that we do with women too. If she's gorgeous, Mm -hmm. she's perfect. We're not going to hold her accountable for half the things that she's probably accountable for because she's gorgeous and she gets a pass. And obviously we do that with men too, but, and yeah, I, I mean, I identify with generation X actually, you know, born in 1979. So I feel like, yeah, deprogramming, for me, it's just kind of constant. I am mm-hmm. almost kind of like, I'm pretty much going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And also like, there's still shit that's like being unearthed, like in society, like all the time, like mm-hmm. new things. So, um, good for Gen Z for just like, at least having a handle on being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's mm-hmm. some fundamental things here that are ridiculous, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I didn't have that until honestly, you know, like five years ago where right. I was like, wait, this is fucked up. Yeah. yeah. The conflict between loving this movie and understanding the problems with it is so real, but I'm really glad you came by today and you agreed to be on my show again. Cause yeah, I'm glad you had me watch the movie again too. Cause I, I don't know. I really enjoyed watching again. I'm not going to lie. I just loved after all that we've talked about, I'm just yeah. going to say, I just love those Jake moments. I do too. Just Not magical. the ones with him and Caroline, but him and him and Sam. No, him and just smiling or him yeah. just like them, their awkward moments. That mm-hmm. was like, I don't know. I just like needed that this week. So that yeah. was like really nice. Cause he's so cute. Stupid yeah. Jake Ryan. Stop being so hot. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not hot now. I mean, I think he, you know, he lives on a farm. Oh, I did know that. I kind of love that. Yeah. I kind of love that. He I was mean, like, that makes it hotter. Hollywood. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All uh, honestly, it would be, it would be so ideal to like, cause I do kind of like a little rugged cowboy look. Oh my God. Them, yes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like sometimes I can't deal with the politics. So I'm just like, Oh, can oh I that get, is tricky. Can I get me a rugged cowboy who also doesn't think that some of the things that I believe are the devil. Yeah. You need like a progressive East coast organic farmer. Yeah. 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 That's probably who you need. Yeah. Maybe out West. Yeah. Maybe definitely not a cattle farmer. There's a lot of them around here. I can't deal with that smell. It's awful. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll find something else for you. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) Libby, can you please remind everybody where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? Um, yes, you can follow me on my blog. It's, uh, thegoddessattainable.com. You can sign up for my newsletter on that website. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at thegoddessattainable. And those are pretty much my two main channels. So check them out if you're interested. And friends, we will link to them as well. So to make it a little bit easier for you. And I am just so glad that you were here today for us to talk about this. I know. So nice to talk live. I know. You don't usually do that. (laughs) I know. know. It's so nice to see you. Yes. I'm so happy to see you like actually in time. Yeah. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written, edited, and produced by me, Julia Washington. If you love our show and want to support it, there's a few ways you can do that. You can become a supporter on Patreon for $10 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content, or you can write a review and rate the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. 
And lastly, if neither of those things is your style, you can find us on Instagram. Give us a follow and share our video clips with your friends. We're on IG as Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Thanks for tuning in, y'all.